Welcome to the Raiseology Podcast with your host, pediatrician and parenting mentor, Sharon Somek, here to empower parents to raise resilient and independent children. Grab your coffee or your margarita and let's get started. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should be used to supplement rather than substitute the care provided by your physician. You're listening to episode four of the Raiseology Podcast. Stick around to learn the acronym that will help you check in with yourself and your kids when you're in the middle of a meltdown. Today I have with me Valerie Freelander. She is a certified life coach with a focus on helping entrepreneurial moms break self-defeating patterns and take confident action toward their goals. She founded the Unlimited Mom because she believes that connecting moms to their unique and unlimited self will allow them to live the vibrant life they deserve and that by doing so, they will empower their children to do the same. She's also passionate about creativity, coffee, and unicorns. Thanks so much for being here, Valerie. Thank you for having me. So do you have anything to add, maybe a little bit about the personal side of Valerie, something that the audience can um, use to get to know you a little bit better? Well, sure. All right. So... Um, yeah, just on a personal note, I'm, I'm what I call multi-passionate, um, as, and I read a book actually that talked about the Renaissance soul and I was like, yes, that is totally it. Um, it's this idea that, um, you know, like all of these, these Renaissance people like Da Vinci and, uh, Benjamin Franklin, who wasn't Renaissance, but you know, like these people that we know and think are amazing, um, did these awesome things. And sometimes they started stuff and then they got excited about something else and they created amazing things in the process. But there was a lot of stuff that was half done (laughs) during the course of that. And so often we put this focus on what do you want to be when you grow up? And like you, you're going to have this one thing. And that's true for some people. Like some people just have a passion for a particular thing. Uh, Mozart is an example of one of, you know, the people that we tend to think of when we think, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's like child prodigy, like, you know, where you're going and you're on your way, totally focused. And that's what you do. And then there are those of us who are like, kind of go through just feeling our way and learning and exploring and getting excited about a variety of things. So when I think about what I, what I do as my main focus, it it kind of encompasses all of the other things. And it's part of the reason why I love working with entrepreneurial moms so much is because I think by definition, moms are multi-passionate because it's not like as much as we love our children, there are so many other things about us. We wear so many hats as it were that it's just, there's so many things to be passionate about. And when we forget to be passionate about those things and we get caught up in the survival mode of doing all the things so we can become human doings instead of human beings, we lose that spark that makes us so amazing. And so all of the, the many things that I do of uh, making costumes and doing cosplay, I'm a total nerd, uh, doing face painting. I have a face painting side hustle now because I did it for a block party and I had so much fun. I was like, why don't I just do this? That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, just all of these things that we can get excited about. It's really about knowing 
how you want to prioritize and having that clarity of self so that you can be fully you in all the spaces. And so that's, that's been my life journey. I feel like people ask me how I became a life coach and it really is just, I, it was the most clearly universe guided accident that ever happened to me. So yeah, that's a, that's a little bit about, about me personally. Um, I also have two boys. Uh, so I'm a boy mom. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old as of right now, and they keep me on my toes. I bet. <laughs> and I have a I have a husband and a male cat. So I'm surrounded by testosterone. <laughs> so I wanted to just um, I guess clarify something because you said you work with entrepreneurial moms, and um, I know you and I have talked about this in the past, but that doesn't mean that all of the moms that you work with run their own businesses, right? Yes, correct. I say entrepreneurial and I came into that word because I found that a lot of people that were connecting with me resonated with that word. It's to me, what it means to be entrepreneurial is to be multi-passionate, to, to love being a mom, but also honor these other areas or be determined to honor these other aspects of oneself. And oftentimes they get relegated into these categories of hobby or side thing or whatever. But I find that moms who are stay at home or work a nine to five or anything like that, when they have a desire for more, and that I think stems from that, that passion of creation that that to me is what it means to be entrepreneurial. So that's why I don't say mom entrepreneurs. It's entrepreneurial moms because they have a spark, a passion for more and to create in the world. So it's very much about shining your light for your family, but also for, for the world, for a bigger, bigger space, making an impact. Yeah, that's great. Um, so today we are going to talk about um, something that I think is really interesting and very helpful for moms, but also dads to hear. Um, and that is sort of how we react to things and how the people around us learn to sort of push our buttons in different ways. Um, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the background of that and how that ties into, I guess, how that will tie into the rest of the conversation that we have. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And actually, you touched on something right there that I realized I, I defined entrepreneurial, but I didn't actually mention moms. I also think of motherhood very much as a nurturing space. And so that can totally encompass dads too. I've definitely coached dads before as well. I think we often bucket things and that makes our brains function better and quicker and recognize the similarities, uh, which is something else I work in because that can keep us stuck. But I think it's important to, to know that, that dads are also nurturers. And I think that's a really important role for dads to occupy as well. So, um, okay. But that said, uh, as far as, but like we, we talk about like pushing buttons or like somebody got your goat or whatever. I used to talk about that up, oh, up, oh. They got your goat again, like you run off with your goat and try and make a joke out of it. But um, it, it can be really, really painful sometimes when people 
push buttons. Um, it can really, depends on how like big that button is. And our kids are masters at it. It's like they were born to push buttons. And I think there's a reason for that. I think they're here to help. They're here to teach us as much as we are here to guide them. And they get to, they get to be these wonderful reflections back to us of ourselves. And that's why they're so good at pushing buttons. One of the things I like to say is that nobody can push a button you don't have. If you don't have a button, nobody can push it. So like one person might get really upset by say someone cutting them off. And another person might be like, eh, you know, whatever, I'll get there when I need to get there. Like that person clearly has a busy life and somebody else will take it personally and get really upset about it. Um, there are times when we're more reactive than others. Like there are times when your kid asks you the same question a million times and you are able to calmly answer it a million times. And then there are other times where it's like, oh my gosh, just be quiet. You know, and like <laughs> you go, you lose your noodle, right? So it's important to know that that button, whatever it is, is yours. And as sometimes that's annoying because it's like, it would be easier if somebody else were in charge of it. But at the same time, I think it's, it's really awesome to know that because then you get to do something about it. You have power over it when you recognize that it's yours and not about the circumstances or the people that are around you that happened to have pushed it. And so that allows you to, to do something with it instead of be the victim of the situations and the people when you feel like a victim, you also tend to be more reactive. So it, be, it ends up becoming kind of a spiral on itself. So that's one of the joys. I, I say you can't, you can't grow a little person without growing yourself. And, and I think that's true of whether the little person is a, a person person or a business person. You know, like that a lot of times people who are building businesses talk about them like they're babies. And there's, yes. there's a, you know, definitely a similarity there. <laughs> um, going through the stages of development and stuff, but it, life is designed to grow us, to help us, to challenge us. And I have a colleague who would talk about like the, um, the merry-go-round effect, like the horse is going to come around again. Like until you address that horse and like deal with the horse, maybe like it's going to keep coming around. So it's important to notice and own those, those buttons, those things that are bugging you to understand where they're coming from and to address them because they're just going to keep happening again. And so you get to decide whether you're the agent of your life in those situations and thus making conscious, loving choices about how you engage or if you're letting life happen to you and being reactive to it. Um, so that's one of the, the key things First, knowing that it's yours. Right. And then how do you handle it? I mean, do you have some tips that we can share with the audience for, um, you know, sort of, okay, you recognize that you have these, these buttons and you probably even recognize who's pushing them and when and why, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially if it's your kids. Um, but how do you go from really, truly, 
accepting that and, and recognizing that to doing something about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what are the, what are the challenges, I guess, to doing something about it? Well, the, the challenges are, they're often rooted in some, some stories and some things that we learned growing up. Like we all look through perception filters that are based in our life experience. They're based in what we learned from our parents growing up that society has shown us, that our life experience has taught us from successes and perceived failures and situations. And nobody teaches you to be, there there are like two really important parts of life that nobody actually teaches you to do. And that is be a spouse, like be a partner with somebody else and be a parent. And, you know, and that's why it's so important for people like you to be around, to be able to help process these situations with kids, because most of us don't have the time to learn child development. Like we're busy people doing a lot of things. And so it's hard sometimes not to make assumptions around what people understand, especially small people whose brains do not work the same way that our brains do, but we often assume that they do. And so we fall back in these patterns so those are some of the challenges. And then it, it like uh, just questioning yourself, um, judgment and curiosity don't exist in the same space. So that's like the number one thing that I always say to turn to is be curious rather like when we, when we label things and set them in a box and we say, this is good, this is bad this is right, this is wrong. And that really comes out with kids and also with our spouses and pretty much everything. But kids, especially, you know, like these rules of this is, this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad. Instead of, well, that's interesting. What led you to do that? What could we do differently next time? What would work better? And actually asking these questions and getting curious it's harder with kids because like they don't necessarily know and especially when it comes to emotions and this is something that we're also not really trained in though there's a lot more awareness around it which is emotional intelligence there's a lot that's kind of a a buzz phrase right now but it's not necessarily something people really understand a lot of the self development work that i did early on before my training or anything like that, uh, we talked a lot about acting as if, you know, like, oh, you have this emotional reaction, you know, intellectually that it's based in a story or that it's just a habit of, of thing, like the way you engage or whatever it is. And so you try to talk yourself out of it and you try and just like, don't, all right, I'm just going to pretend I don't feel like that and behave differently. And that's something that is possible to do, but it's so much harder because the cycle of emotions, emotions stem from thoughts, a belief about ourselves in relation to the world. If we believe that someone is doing something to us, we are either going to retreat from that or we're going to defend ourselves from it. That's a natural impulse. That's like just a basic instinct right? Survival mode. So when we think that, that creates that emotion of, of fear or anger, and then we behave accordingly. 
And that reaffirms the way we behave ends up reaffirming the thought that we had. So if we're thinking someone's doing something to us, like he's intentionally, my husband is intentionally ignoring me or my kid is intentionally ignoring me and I'm angry about it. I'm, and then I'm going to yell and then they're going to shut down and I'm going to believe again that they're being intentional or they're going to giggle because they're embarrassed or whatever, you know, and it just kind of reaffirms the thought process. So when you can acknowledge the, and own that cycle and own that button, that emotion that you're having and then connect it. I say emotions are really, really valuable information. They're super valuable information, not about what's happening around you, but about the way you're experiencing what's happening around you. So when you can identify your emotion, we talk to kids about like identifying, well, identify the feeling, name that feeling. Adults need to do that too. It makes a huge difference. Name the feeling that, I'm, that uh, you're having and then go, okay. What am I believing that is creating that feeling? And how true is that? Even just asking that question can, can open up a, a door of like, oh, that's, that's not true at all. Like, okay, so what, what would I rather believe? What would be more helpful to believe? And then how would I feel if I believed that? And then you can start kind of recreating that cycle. You don't have to actually believe it, but just getting curious about it can relieve some of that emotion. But I really am big on like, don't pretend the emotion didn't happen. The emotion happened. Like it's important to honor that emotion and find a way to release it and not hold it. Cause then it just stays there. So that acting as if, and like trying to push the emotion away and pretend it doesn't exist can actually be really detrimental. So it's important to honor that and know that it's happened regardless. It's true for you. It's true for the way you're experiencing it, but rather than making it true for what's happening around you, because that it might not be true for. Right. Can you, um, this might be a little challenging, but can you tell me a story, either a personal story or a story from a client where this type of sort of recognizing a button and figuring out a way through it has really changed a relationship that they had either with themselves, right? Or with their children. Yes. Um, okay. I know I'm putting you on the spot. No, here. no, no, no. I, I love a challenge. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking of several actually. Um, so Okay. So one, I'll give you a personal example. And then I have, and then I have a client example, um, per, like that has to do with a spouse relationship. So personally speaking of kids, my son would really get upset. Uh, there were two things that would, that would cause issues at the end of the day. One, if he didn't eat and he was hangry, because boy, does he get hangry. My daughter too, by the way, my oldest daughter, I almost want to put granola bars in her nightstand because <laughs> she comes downstairs and she hasn't eaten. It's like the whole house needs to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, even that's, if she doesn't recognize it. Well, and that's, they don't have enough life experience to necessarily, right? And my son will say, no, I'm not hungry. I want to do this thing. I really want to do this thing. And then it's like, he was ignoring that he was hungry. And then it's like meltdown central. So yeah. it's, that's important for us to know. I love the the acronym HALT, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those things always make us more 
reactive. So it's really important to check in if we're like having an emotional reaction and like, like, am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? And I like to add in, am I in pain? Like if you, if you have a, an injury or a, a joint that, I mean, a lot of us have some, some areas that tend to hurt more as we get older and like, um, and then for, for us women in particular, am I hormonal? Like, I don't really want anybody else asking me that, but I think if I, if I can ask myself that. That's a button definitely no one wants to push. It really is. Oh my gosh. I've I've started tracking when I'm when I'm gonna have my period because like the week before that, I for some reason I just would keep forgetting and I would be so down on myself that whole week. I'm just like, oh, nothing's working. It's all awful. I'm so lonely. Oh, woe is me. And then like I get my period, I'm like, oh. Okay. Well, you know, there, and then I feel, I feel better and I'm like, oh, everything's fine now. Hmm. I wonder what that was. <laughs> yeah. It's a thing. It's a real thing. Um, I like that acronym. I haven't heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorites to just kind of check in. And my husband sometimes forgets. And when he gets hungry, instead of feeding himself, he, he like, or when he gets hangry, instead of feeding himself, he's like, I have to clean the entire kitchen. And I'm like, why don't you have some food first? No, 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 no. Clean the entire kitchen. I'm like, okay, I'll be in the other room until you eat. (laughs) But that's also me recognizing that that's his stuff. He's got a button. He's like hit all the buttons. His his entire life, like perception is buttons right now because he's hungry. And I don't want to be part of that because inevitably I will push a button and I don't need to own that. So, so that, that's a side experience. Um, with the yeah. kid wise, yes. <laughs> food and also just change. He doesn't handle change. Well, like he really is one of these kids who very, some kids need a lot more awareness about when things are changing, even if it's just leaving the playground. So I like to let him have time to run around after school on the playground. It gives me time to chat with some adult people and him time to run around when he's been sitting in school all day. So one day we, we would have, we had a couple days where it was just meltdown central. It was time to leave. And he like on the ground screaming, like we couldn't leave at all. And, he, and, and then he's hungry. You know, and then it's like, well, I can't get you food until we leave. And then it's like, you should have food now. I mean, it was just a big mess. So I picked him up and I asked him, okay, la- yesterday was awful. Yesterday was really awful. It was very unpleasant. So rough time. And I didn't like it and you didn't like it. So what could we do differently next time? that would work better. Cause he was, you know, every, I, I couldn't, I was pushing all the buttons for him and it was really pushing on me. I like, I ended up getting pretty upset because I'm like, I can't do anything unless you let me do something. You know, it's like very frustrating. Yeah. It's a bad cycle to be. Exactly. In. And so sometimes in the moment you just have to get through it and just breathe your way through it, you know? Yeah. And actually, you know, I had a similar experience even just last night um, and I was talking about it with a friend this morning. My three-year-old came home and she was, I mean, it was like from the minute she came home, she was having a meltdown basically. Mm-hmm. 
And it just did not stop. And I knew that she was tired and I knew that I just really needed to get her in bed. And what really helped me was just that I said, you know what, I know what this is about. And I understand why she's behaving this way. I'm not going to give in, but I'm also not going to let myself get frustrated and angry about it. And even though she continued to have her meltdown, I stayed calm the whole you know couple of hours until I could really put her to bed. Mm-hmm. And we put her to bed early so she could catch up on some sleep. And she wasn't happy when I left her in bed, but probably within three minutes, she fell asleep because she was exhausted. And at the very least, it didn't set off this spiral of I'm now frustrated and angry. And now not only is she having the reaction, but I'm having the reaction. And then she would have definitely fed off of my reaction. And as bad as her meltdown was, it would have definitely gotten worse. So I I can appreciate that for sure. Yeah. And when we get into that mode, that survival mode where it's anger and frustration and those it 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 constricts the options that we have available. It's almost like putting blinders on and you can only see what's right in front of you and you can only see like this kid is melting down and I'm not gonna get home to to feed everybody and I can't get him food and he's not even he wants food, but I can't get him food and like and then it's frustration. Why is my husband here to help? And like, everybody is doing something wrong because once you have that lens on, it's really hard to take it off. And so everything gets seen through that lens of frustration. So everyone's much more likely to be doing something wrong or not the way you want it to be. Right. Um, and so being able to take a step back and just let him process and be where he is and have some flexibility, like knowing, I know what the end goal is. I know what my purpose is. And this is a big one that I say to connect with when you're in a situation. What's my purpose in this situation? My purpose is to be a supportive, loving presence and to help guide him. And where he is right now, all I can do is just be a stable person. Cause sometimes kids push buttons just to know that things are normal. This is something that's coming up a lot in the summertime where there's all these changes that are happening and kids want to know that things are still safe and they're normal. And so they push buttons, like they push boundaries, test boundaries over and over and over again to make sure they're still there. And they don't do it consciously. It's not like an intentional thing of like, I want to drive mommy and daddy crazy by pushing the boundaries all the time. But if I take it that way, then I am going to get, I'm going to be draining energy left and right, feeling like I'm fighting constantly. Whereas if I know, I understand this is what's going on and it's up to me to create some sort of consistency so that he knows that things are still okay. He's still okay. This is still, life is normal. And the the safeties are still in place for him, even though it seems like that's not what he's trying to do. So, but there are times when we can enlist, like when we notice what's going on and we tap into what the purpose is in the relationship, it's possible in those like later that next day to go, okay, that went really badly. (laughs) 
I didn't have fun. I didn't enjoy it. You didn't enjoy it. We had kind of a mess. So for us to be able to play on the playground today, we need to come up with a solution that will work differently. So that doesn't happen again. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to do that again. And he's, he paused for a minute and he thought, and he goes, well, what would you like it to look like? <laughs> I was just like, Oh, you're coaching me. <laughs> But it's really interesting to see when, when these kids pick up stuff from us and I mean, they do inevitably pick up stuff. So I'm like, Oh, coaching kid. (laughs) But that allowed us when they're old enough to have that kind of conversation, when you engage them in that way of like setting the boundaries, I don't want to do that again. We need to come up with a solution and allowing them to help come up with that solution. They have a certain amount of buy-in to it too. So being able to own my own stuff and let him be in charge of his, but play the role that I, that that's my purpose in the relationship allows me to show up and engage in a way that we have more options available to us instead of we are, we can't play on the playground because that was yesterday went so badly. We're not playing on the playground at all. So, you know, there are times when we have to set the firmer limits, but when it, it allows us to make those as choices, as conscious, loving choices, instead of as reactive choices. Right. It's not necessarily a, uh, a harsh punishment if he was the one who helped come up with the boundary mm-hmm. in the first place. And I actually recommend that to parents all the time to really sit down and as a family come up with sort of what are the rules that are appropriate for this family. And yes, you know, the parents ultimately are the ones who should be guiding and making those decisions. But certainly, like you said, the kids have so much more buy-in if they were the ones who um, created the rules. And I see that a lot in, you know, my daughters went to sleepaway camp this summer for the first time. And in every bunk, there is a list of bunk rules and the kids come up with them themselves together with the counselors. And, you know, I'm sure that the counselors help them a little bit, but it's, um, they, are very invested in um, following those rules because they helped create them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and so it, it does being able to take that step back instead of jumping into it and getting caught up in the, the fight flight kind of engagement, your kids fighting against you. If you take it personally and make it and, and it, and agree. Basically, by taking a person, you agree that it's a fight. You don't have to agree that it's a fight. They can still think it's a fight. That's okay. That's them and what's going on for them. You can choose whether it's a fight or not. And just make a choice of how you want to engage instead of autopiloting into, yes, we're having a fight. And that's true when it comes to other, other relationships as well, including ones with a spouse. So I have a client who was having some challenges in the relationship, which is really common when you become a parent, because again, buttons getting pushed, different styles of parenting due to different ways of being raised. And those, we tend to autopilot into those ways. And when they come into conflict, it's, it's challenging because so often there's subconscious 
ways of engaging and they're like, this is the right way to do it. This is the wrong way to do it. Right. So, uh, I had a client who was experiencing some of that because her husband was not as helpful during sleep, like nighttime wakings and stuff. And she really struggled during that time. And he just, he wasn't as available or helpful. And so she, she journaled about it to help release some of the upset. And I think journalists, some of us write, some of us talk, you know, there are different ways of processing emotions. And so she journaled about it. And then a while later, they, they were still struggling. The communication wasn't great. And they were um, having a conversation and she was just like, yeah, this is a really, you know, the nighttime wakings were, were really challenging. And he goes, yeah, that was a rough time. And she's like, um, you weren't there. Like, and, and so what he said, she interpreted that he was, it was a comparison instead of that was his experience. She, it pushed a button for her because that was a really rough time for her. And so him saying that it felt like a comparison and she got angry about it. She's like, you weren't really there. And you know, he's like, yes, I was. And she goes, no, I documented it because she had written about it. But the way she said it really pushed a button for him because he took that as, wait, you were documenting how, how good I am as a parent. Like, and so you see how this turned into an argument, this turned into a fight and everybody shuts down. Right. So looking at that in hindsight, it's his everybody has their own filters and their ways of experiencing things. He was trying to commiserate with her. He was trying to connect with her by saying, yeah, that was a tough time. So had she interpreted that as a connection, that could have been a conversation where it was like, well, what was your experience of it? Like, this is what my experience of was, you know, and like have a conversation around it and Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, these are things I'm struggling with. Um, what are you struggling with? How could we work together to support each other better? You know, like you see how that could turn into a conversation versus the, the conflict that was created because it pushed a button for her and she didn't recognize it at that time as a button. It was just like, he is comparing and saying that he was doing as much as I was and he was not doing as much as I was. And so it became a fight. So when you can recognize, sometimes it's hard to recognize the buttons in the moment. You just, you have that automatic, it's like snap experience. So one of the strategies that we created for her, because there was so much conflict in the relationship, one of the strategies that we created was before saying anything to take a moment. If you get triggered, if you find yourself feeling angry after he says something, excuse yourself for a minute. Hey, I want to talk about that. Um, I need to go use the bathroom or that's an interesting comment. I want to think about that for a minute and asking for a little space. So often we think we have to respond immediately and we don't. And that, that actually had another client who had a similar thing come up, but in a different situation of somebody asked her to do something and she just automatically said yes. And she realized later that that was not she didn't have time for that. Like that was way over commitment and it really stressed her out. But because it pushed a, her helper button, you know, like this, like I have to be, I have to help. She automatically said, yes. Yeah. So 
to be able, that was her, her exercise also ended up being to pause before saying yes to something to really think about, does this fit my values? Where does this fall in what I have, the, the space that I have available in my life priority wise and to check in with herself before saying yes. So in both cases, in the being helpful and being frustrated, that, that automatic reaction of saying a particular thing, it, it was causing a detrimental interaction. So I think it's really important to know that it's okay to take a minute to really think about it and check in. What's my purpose in this situation? What are the factors influencing me right now? What, what do I want to say? Like, how do I want to show up to this? Uh, what, how am I interpreting this situation? What are some other ways I could interpret it? So there's, there's some questions that you can ask yourself to help you process in an engagement that is less reactive and more conscious so that you can start creating, developing relationships that reflect the way you want to be in them rather than the way you're your reactions, your, your automatic snap assumptions and interpretations of situations lead you into. Yeah. The question is how difficult is it to really practice that? You know, how do you create that as a habit? It takes practice. I mean, I mean, you said, you said it right there. It it's practice and it's also knowing that it's not going to be perfect. Um, it's, it's something that it's possible, even if you don't do it in the moment, it's possible to check in after the fact once you recognize that you didn't show up the way you wanted to. It didn't go the way you would have liked to check in and notice what happened and make a choice. Because you know, like, there are certain things that are going to continue to happen. Like when kids push boundaries, you know, they're always going to do that. Like I'm cooking dinner. My kids are always going to want to spend time with me right then while I'm cooking dinner. Like inevitably they come in with toys and, and things. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like making cheese sauce. I cannot step away from the stove, but like, that's when they're like beating each other up or something. You know, like, um, So, you know, what's going to happen again almost inevitably these things do. So that gives you the opportunity to decide ahead of time. All right, this happened. This is what happened. This is what, what I did, what happened with, for me. And then, all right, I know it's going to happen again. What do I want to do next time? What could I put in place for myself to support myself better the next time this happens? So it's always, it's, I think it's really important to know it's not going to, we're never going to be perfect. And there are always going to be times where like, even when you work on a particular button and you do all this self work and you grow, something new is going to pop up and maybe it pushes the same button at a deeper level, or maybe like you uncover a new button like as you go along. Like, it's just, it, we were meant to, this is how we learn. Like, so it's a learning process. So give yourself some grace and allow yourself to learn. And just like you would allow your kids to learn. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all great advice. And um, I loved hearing about the check-in acronym. I think it's really, um, 
I think it really is helpful. And it's actually also really good thing to think about with your kids too. um, Because those same triggers are triggers for them as well. And um, even, you know, I mean, sometimes it's something you could do something about. um, So if they're hungry, feed them, right? Um, And sometimes you may not be able to do anything about it in that moment, but at least you can recognize it. And sometimes knowing makes it much easier to handle the situation in that moment. Yeah. So, but I, I really loved having you here and I really appreciate it. And I am going to put um, some stuff in the show notes, but I'm sure the audience would love to hear what the best way to get in touch with you is. Absolutely. So um, my website is theunlimitedmom.com and you can find me on all social media as the unlimited mom. And actually, um, everything that we've talked about, I created a five-step process to help you do that work that we just talked about. So like that checking in initially, so either in the moment or after the fact, it's really handy. And so that's a free download on my website. It's under free gift. And it's, I call it the, the pocket pacifier because it it's a little printable and an audio file to listen to. It's like eight minutes and it walks you through the steps to help you process that button and make a more conscious choice around it. So uh, at theunlimitedmom.com and you can grab that free from me. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. So thanks again for being here and we look forward to continuing the conversation. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for listening to the Raiseology podcast. Head over to www.raiseology.com where you'll find plenty of You've Got This resources for parents and any links or tools mentioned in today's show. Be sure to hit subscribe on your podcatcher so that you can listen to the next episode the minute it's out. Until next time, have an empowered week.